A while back, I took a personality test, which evaluates the answers to a bunch of questions, compares them to a large database, and reports the results according to the so-called Big Five personality traits. As the name implies, there are five dimensions of personality, which have emerged from psychometric analysis. The interesting thing about the Big Five is that they were not predicted or imposed upon the data. Rather, five statistical clusters showed up in the psychometric data on their own. This implies that they're describing something real. Each of these five is further subdivided into two parts. So the report gives 10 percentage values corresponding to the traits of personality according to the answers you provide. Apparently, personality traits are largely stable over time. I think my numbers would have differed when I was younger, say a teenager, but that might be more a reflection of how much less I knew about myself at that time rather than changes to the traits themselves. The five domains of the Big Five are 1. Agreeableness 2. Conscientiousness 3. Extroversion 4. Neuroticism and 5. Openness to experience Your scores on these five domains, if you were to take the personality test, would be a percentage value that compares your answers to the answers of the tens of thousands who have taken the test before. So the values just tell you where you are relative to the population. You get 10 values because each of the big five is divided into two components. For the sake of a discussion on personality, I'll give you an idea of where I fall on the big five. I promise that this podcast won't be all about me once I get going. There are about three people in the world who would find that interesting, and chances are you aren't one of them. Anyway, agreeableness is composed of compassion and politeness. In my case, I'm pretty high in compassion, but not so much in politeness. My overall score for agreeableness turns out to be moderately high, which kind of surprised me. The averages for men and women are quite different on agreeableness. Women tend to be higher in both compassion and politeness by a pretty large margin. My score for compassion is actually a lot higher than the average woman, whereas my score for politeness falls near the average man. Incidentally, this profile predicts a politically liberal perspective. The second dimension is conscientiousness. This is the sense of obligation and responsibility, hard work and attention to detail. It turns out I'm high in conscientiousness. This domain breaks into industriousness and orderliness. I'm much higher in industriousness than I am in orderliness. It turns out that orderliness predicts conservative politics. Conscientiousness as an overall trait is an important predictor, along with intelligence, of lifetime success. So I've got that going for me. Okay. Domain 3. Extroversion. This is a measure of sensitivity to positive emotion, especially in social situations. Joy, anticipation, hope, and excitement. High extroversion can make people impulsive, especially when it comes to having fun. According to the test, I am exceedingly high in extroversion. I have to say that I found this kind of surprising when I first saw the result. Extroversion breaks down into enthusiasm and assertiveness. I am very high in both. Maybe this explains why I tend to interrupt people when I'm having a conversation about ideas. I really like talking to other people who are enthusiastic and assertive too. Then I can't run over them and we can't just and we could just jam. It's one of my favorite things to do. All right, neuroticism. This is sensitivity to negative emotion and it divides into withdrawal and volatility. Volatility is about getting upset when bad things happen. Withdrawal is about anticipation that something bad might happen. I'm very low in both, it turns out. I take a daily medication to help with anxiety, and I've been doing that for a long time. I'm certain that without that intervention, I would be much more neurotic. 
On average, women are higher in both withdrawal and volatility. According to my score, I'm lower in these traits than most men. I wonder if being too low in neuroticism can make somebody a bit of a fool. If I take bad things in stride and don't worry too much about them happening, then how do I learn from my mistakes and make practical decisions? Still, I'd rather be low in these traits than high because it's no Swiss picnic to be worried about things all the time. Actually, I have a kind of baseline sense of foreboding, but it's attached to a sense that I'm not getting enough done. That there is something valuable I should be doing right now. But I guess that is a separate thing from neuroticism. It's not a demon in my mind cajoling me to fear and indecision. Rather, it's an angel of judgment, which has high expectations for me. A tyranny of conscience. Finally, we have openness to experience. This is the domain of creativity and verbal intelligence. On the whole, I'm high in openness to experience, but this appears to be entirely driven by one of its two aspects. Openness to experience is composed of intellect and openness. Intellect is a measure of interest in abstract ideas. This is the highest score in my report. By contrast, I'm pretty low in openness, which is the more artistic piece of the domain. That's kind of funny. I'd rather be talking about a beautiful piece of art than looking at it. That's true enough. I am the mind of a man named Jesse. If Jesse is anyone at all, which is consistent over time, then he is, at least in an important sense, a persistent personality. The human body is mine, to the same extent that this personality is mine. Yet as a conscious being, I feel that I'm much more attached to the personality, in that it is a characteristic of mind. Though arising out of the structure and function of the brain, the personality itself, or more particularly, the personality traits, are not physical structures. Then what are they? Tendencies, habits of thinking, ways of behaving, relations to value and incentive. They are a spectrum of human qualities. Jesse features them to various degrees. But what does that really mean? It looks to me like personality is constructed of behavioral and cognitive constraints. Let's see how this might work, given the aspects of my Big Five profile. I'm relatively high in agreeableness, especially the compassion part. This means that my affective nervous system is structured to respond a certain way and I feel the incentives driven by the system. I tend to see the best in others, to give the benefit of the doubt and to be tolerant of different viewpoints. That's what the profile says anyway. Notice that this is not how I choose to conduct myself because I think it's the best way to be. I think it's the best way to be because that is how the incentives work in my brain. It feels right. It feels natural because it is. I don't readily understand how people feel differently than I do because that's not how I feel. If I were disagreeable, then I'd feel differently. I don't choose this propensity, it just is. If I were agreeable to a fault, which I don't think I am, I could undertake cognitive behavioral therapy to become more combative and stand up for my views. The profile says that people with my level of agreeableness are seen by others as cooperative and considerate. Let's say that that's true in my case. It is nevertheless not something that I make happen. It is a way of being that happens to me. The report says that I may be tempted to sacrifice long-term stability in favor of short-term peace. The temptation is driven by my nervous system, or rather, by Jesse's nervous system, but I am the one who is tempted by it. Weird. Okay, I'm high in conscientiousness, so I'm dutiful and reliable. I dislike wasting time, and I'm susceptible to shame when I feel that I'm not doing so. Shame is something which is imposed upon my experience by the function of my brain. I just don't feel good if I don't act in accordance with my principles and my work ethic. The not feeling good is opposed upon me, not something I'm capable of or interested in inducing myself. 
Moreover, I can't assume that the principles in the work ethic to which I hold myself are mine either. They are Jesse's, and I am the resident mind. I'm high in extroversion, so I tend to be enthusiastic, talkative, and assertive. Presumably, this comes from a certain access to dopamine in social situations. Anyone with the same affective structure of incentives would feel the same way I do. I'm like a trained dog, apparently the kind which is jumping up and down and wagging its tail when its master comes home. I'm low in neuroticism, so I don't focus on negativity and I have a high self-esteem. To the degree that this is the case, I don't know that anybody much enjoys focusing on negativity. It just intrudes upon their thinking processes. It's like a person who is in a better mood on a dose of MDMA. You could hardly attribute this to their personality. But if that were how their nervous system worked all the time, then we would call it their personality. A soup of biomolecules is driving all of this. Finally, I'm apparently high in openness to experience, so I'm interested in learning and creativity, especially of the intellectual sort. Since this is about interest and approach, it will involve the way that my dopamine system operates. I suggest that in an objective behavioral sense, a personality is like a set of company policies for doing business in an economy. The currency is one of neurotransmitters, such as dopamine and serotonin. Dopamine has to do with reward and motivation. Serotonin is involved in the sense of self-worth and security. Each person has their own set of business circumstances. But the goal is the same, to feel good, to pursue a preferable subjective situation, and accordingly to avoid distress. The trick of human evolution is to throw up a variety of traits. This should be true for psychological traits as much as it is for physical traits, like facial features. A sophisticated social animal like us depends upon the capacity to adapt to circumstances. Diversity in personal dispositions is ideal for feel, filling the niches that occur within the clan or the community. Different personalities are best suited to different roles. It seems likely that the five domains of the Big Five, which naturally emerge from psychometric data, broadly outline the important variables which modern human evolution has availed itself of as a time-tested means of filling these niches and surviving. Personality traits cannot be directly encoded in DNA. Rather, spontaneous mutations in the genetic code will produce a number and variety of proteins which tweaks the way in which cells develop, interconnect, and function. The slight alteration or recombination in the DNA will interact with environmental conditions to produce humans who are far more similar than they are different, but who each have a unique personality profile. We are conscious beings. The only way for such genetic tampering to get a hold on us and specify our unique behaviors is to alter the incentive regimes within which we find ourselves. I have reason to believe that consciousness serves a function, and I think that that function is to enable us to have a genuine psychology, which serves the organism's needs across a lifetime. This is apparently the purpose of the self-construct, which I have on many previous occasions distinguished from the self as point of view. I, this conscious mind, am a point of view. I am not Jesse's self-construct, or ego, but it seems to me that I am, so I act accordingly in my day-to-day -day affairs. The self-construct exists for me, for my benefit apparently, so that I will pursue the interest of Jesse's genes. One interesting consideration is that I might be able, through training or traumatic experience or pharmacology, to alter my personality. I've read that the personality is pretty stable across time, 
But as it is composed of affective neural signaling pathways, the plasticity of, synapse, of synapses and other molecular processes must make it possible. And no doubt, this is part of what we are doing when we treat mental illness with SSRIs, amphetamines, or other drugs which change the chemical calculus. As long as the drug is present and working, the incentives are altered accordingly. This might adjust down the personality domain of neuroticism, for example. All of this further begs the question as to whether the personality I have is mine, even in the normal sense of ownership. Well-being for each of us depends upon the satisfaction of our unique incentive structures. A steady supply of serotonin means we are in the right place doing the right thing. We are competent and respected. Dopamine is accessed in direct proportion to our productive behavior. We get it when we work hard, laugh with our friends, and get positive attention. With all of these things in alignment, we are successful at being the person we are. I found a publication which compares measures of well-being with Big Five personality traits. It's titled, Unique Associations Between Big Five Personality Aspects and Multiple Dimensions of Well-Being by Jesse Sun, Scott Barry Kaufman, and Luke Smilly. The authors write, quote, In the current article, we investigate the unique associations between personality aspects and well-being dimensions across three well-being taxonomies. The first two influential models correspond to the theoretical distinction between hedonic and eudaimonic well-being. Hedonic well-being is commonly operationalized using Diner's tripartite model of subjective well-being, life satisfaction, positive affect, and low negative affect. In contrast, eudaimonic perspectives with roots in humanistic and Aristotelian traditions emphasize human potential and existential concerns, arguing that the narrow focus of subjective well-being on happiness neglects important aspects of positive functioning. Riff, 1989, developed scales of psychological well-being that measure six broader, less affectively based aspects of well-being. Autonomy, environmental mastery, personal growth, positive relations, self-acceptance, and purpose in life." Unquote. The authors compare within-subject data between personality traits and subjective or psychological measures of well-being. Here's what they find with regard to subjective well-being, which has to do with how good we feel. Quote, the robust links between personality and subjective well-being were discovered decades ago. A recent meta-analysis estimates that the big five domains explain 39 to 63 percent of the variance in subjective well-being. This effect size is larger than that of demographic and contextual factors such as gender, age, education, and income. At the level of broad traits, extroversion is most strongly and robustly associated with greater positive affect. Neuroticism is linked with both greater negative affect and slightly lower positive affect, and both independently predict higher and lower levels of life satisfaction, respectively. However, aspect and facet level studies suggest that specific lower level traits may drive these domain level associations. Enthusiasm and withdrawal appear to be more strongly associated with subjective well-being relative to their complementary aspects of assertiveness and volatility." Unquote. Okay, recall that extroversion divides into the aspects of enthusiasm and assertiveness. Neuroticism divides into withdrawal and volatility. The authors say that enthusiasm and withdrawal are the key characteristics to subjective well-being. This is sort of obvious. It seems to me that this way of measuring well-being in terms of affect is nothing other than measuring enthusiasm and withdrawal. 
the more comprehensive psychological well-being measures are probably more informative. On that score, the authors write, quote, Extroversion and neuroticism also predict most dimensions of psychological well-being. In addition, conscientiousness, agreeableness, and openness slash intellect have links with psychological well-being, despite being weaker predictors of subjective well-being. However, domain-level relations may again be driven by lower-level traits. Notable trends include incremental associations between facets of enthusiasm and positive relations, environmental mastery and self-acceptance, between facets of withdrawal and most psychological well-being dimensions, between industriousness and purpose in life, and between compassion and positive relations as well as personal growth. Intellect, relative to openness, may also be more strongly associated with psychological well-being overall. This suggests that the enthusiasm, withdrawal, industriousness, compassion, and intellect aspects may have idiosyncratic associations with specific psychological well-being dimensions." Unquote. Hey, not bad. According to my chart, I'm high in all the characteristics that predict psychological well-being. What does this suggest? I guess it means that to the extent that I am not fulfilled, it is not a matter of my personality. It must be a matter of circumstance. There's another key aspect, too, which really underscores the modern human condition. These personality traits have to do with my disposition, but they say nothing whatever about my competency. That's the other side of the coin. The internal incentive structure is aligned with good results, so I'm unlikely to be tempted into counterproductive pursuits, but do I have the skills and the capacity to meet the demands of this psychological economy? Do I have the opportunity and the wherewithal to actualize my well-being? I think so, but I would think that because I'm high in enthusiasm and assertiveness. It's like the 10 habits of highly effective people or something. Highly effective people might share those habits, but how many other people share those habits and remain unsuccessful? Nor is it clear that these traits of personality always add up to habits. I find that I am miserable a fair amount of the time, mostly because I feel disappointed that I have not accomplished as much as I would like to. Being conscientious incentivizes us to work hard and be responsible by making us feel guilt and shame when we fail. We have no choice but to get work done or to suffer the consequences. If I'm miserable, then it's my own fault. I am the mind of a man named Jesse, who has a certain set of biological and dispositional qualities. It's my job not to run the company into the ground. Why would Jesse's brain burn vital energy to make me feel the way I do if it weren't to coerce me into acting right? I was in therapy for a while some years back. It was there that I came to realize that my anxiety disorder isn't really a disorder. It's an ally. I feel sick when I don't do what my principles expect of me. I'm out of alignment with my own values, or anyway, with those established by Jesse's brain. Take it or leave it, man. This is the life I'm given. I think I've always felt that I am something separate from Jesse. Even if I were a soul come to earth to take possession of a mortal man, my condition would be the same. These emotions and drives are imposed on me. I can either resist them and suffer, drown them out with drugs, or get with the program. I can either be Jesse or nothing at all. 